As we continue in Proverbs, uh, as everybody has kind of shared with you, it is a book of practical living. Uh, it's not just taking scripture, unfolding it, and, uh, and then having us kind of walk away having some more information, some more knowledge that we can talk or argue with people about. It is a practical book that literally strikes us wherever we are. And I give you a disclaimer this morning. I am going to be talking about a topic today that is not going to miss anybody here. And I know that because of all of the years of visiting with people, I have found nobody that does not have to deal with this issue. Here's my disclaimer. Many of you out here know that I have visited with you. A lot of you looked to see if anybody noticed or anything. And you're going to probably think I'm using your story. And you're going to be upset, thinking, I can't believe he said this publicly. If it makes you feel any better, look around right now at people around you. This is their story, too. I find nobody exempt from this. This is a topic that I, I sometimes wonder how and why, uh, when, when Tom was singing the song, that we have surrendered to his design, we are going to look at God's design for addressing and dealing with emotions. And most likely, emotions seem to always seem to be re related to relationships. And so you're going to have all kinds of different emotions, and you don't know what to do with them. Uh, we love the great emotions. We love all the fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace and happiness, and, and we love those. I don't know that anybody loves anger and bitterness and pain and depression and anxiety and fear, but we all experience them. And we experience them because man long time ago decided that man could be man independent of God. And so the soul that we're going to talk about today... Uh, it, within the soul reside uh, different parts. And the Bible says you should know the different parts that are within man. You should differentiate. You should know the difference between them. And today we're going to look at your soul, but we're going to spend a specific attention, give a specific attention to your emotions. How do we live life not governed by our emotions? How do we live life to where our emotions are put in their right place and we can surrender to the design. I find that most often I have uh, uh, seen that we as a human race, we get ourselves bound to our emotions and so therefore feelings become extremely important, so important that they have a tendency to take over and begin to dominate your life. Not only dominate how you feel, they'll be dominate how you relate to people, they will dominate how you act. You have heard many times uh, for the last 10 years, and even before that, because I remember Rob talking about this, Pastor Rob, it's kind of a, uh, we, we gamble when we take what topic we are going to talk about. So when I had this topic assigned quite a while ago to myself, I am not a person, as Nancy, my wife, would tell you, my kids, I am not a, a person that is very acquainted with 
uh, negative emotions. I do not get depressed hardly ever. And a lot of you just want to throw things at me. Uh, it's not where I bend. I have my different, my different tendencies. But since I dug deep into this, I have experienced depression at a degree I've never experienced it before. I began to relate to people when you tell me you're deeply depressed. And, and I've always, in a real flippant way, I'm sure, said, well, just uh, that's okay. Ignore them. I find they're not easily ignored. They, they act up. They want to control you. So as we look at some of the scriptures today, you're going to see that God addresses and Solomon addresses often this area of emotions. And you're going to find that he gives us some specific things that we can do to practice and how to live not under the authority of emotions, how to live separate from the emotions controlling us. We will see that emotions are good. They're designed by God. They should be used properly, and we're going to look at how to do that. So we have a lot to cover. Uh, again, when we look at this, I don't want you and I to confuse. When I talk about your emotions or your soul, I don't want you to confuse that with your heart. Now, those of you that have come to faith in Jesus Christ and have given your life and surrendered your life and have welcomed him to come in and inhabit your life, take up his residency within you and become your life with you, you have been given a new heart. This heart is made after the heart of God, the righteousness of God. There's something deep within it that knows what's right and knows what's wrong. It's, it's incredibly divine. I'm not speaking about that at this point. I'm speaking about those emotions that before the fall of man, they were lined up the way they were supposed to line up. They were subservient to the word of God, the life of God, and the will of God. They didn't ever ask to take control. After the fall, we had a flip. And God and his word no longer became the authority, but the emotions began to take dominance and put a crown. And the emotions in your life, in my life, said, I am king. I make the decisions around here. I will tell you what is true. And so in doing so, if we'll look down here in some of the scriptures, we're going to look at a bunch of them. So uh, some of them I've put on your handout. Otherwise, you can just download when you download the sermon if you ever want to listen to it again. I never will listen to my talks again. <laughs> Proverbs 14.29 says, He who is slow to anger. And that word anger is translated often in the Bible or hot-tempered. It's, it's translated anger, and all, we know anger kind of an outburst, but the word literally is this. <sighs> it can mean, it's the breathing through your nostrils. It's like the animal, when it's... <sighs> it's filled with emotion. It is, uh, it can be hot-tempered, it can be grieving, it can be sorrowful, it can be depressed. It's just sometimes... <sighs> And that's what the word it says. Those that are slow have great understanding. But he who is quick-tempered, that means he blows out his emotions quickly, he exalts folly. For a tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says, A fool regularly 
loses or brings forth his emotions. He throws them out. He makes his emotions known immediately. But a wise man holds it back. He stills it. He pacifies it. The word there translated from Old Testament to New Testament is the same word that when the storm came, it was rocking the boat. People were frightened for their life, and Jesus stilled the storm. He pacified it. And remember what the disciples did? They fell in fear because it said, now they're greatly afraid. Who is this that commands even the weather and it obeys him? He stilled it. Now, the storm stood in existence. It stood out there. All of the energy that was out there, he just stood it there. He stood it there. I want you to know that because also in Proverbs it says this, the righteous man, the righteous women, they feel these emotions. They, they understand them. They feel them. They embrace them. But they have learned the secret of containing them, of pacifying them. Those that don't, they just think, because this is the way I feel, I respond. And so I blast. How many times do you regret just letting your emotions come out and dominate? Now, we're going to see that your emotions are not bad. They're actually very good. And we're going to see that it's good that you do feel. You still feel. Nobody doesn't feel. Ecclesiastes 9 says... If you want to go ahead and get so mature that you will not have these emotions, he said, die. Ecclesiastes says, only the dead don't feel. Only the dead don't taste love. Only the dead don't taste these emotions and the happiness of life. As long as you and I are on this planet, we are going to feel things. You're going to feel things, especially when you're desires get blocked. When that which you crave so much gets taken, you're going to feel, and I'm going to feel. So it's okay. I'm not saying don't feel. Feelings are good. They're actually good. They're, they're indicators. They're, they're indicating to you and to me something you should pay attention to. We should pay attention. It's like we're sitting in here and all of a sudden an alarm goes off. An alarm goes off and you hear the outside alarm going where you can kind of have that siren and inside here smoke alarms. We are foolish people to just keep on sitting here. At least we should have some people look and see what is going on. Let's, Let's look and use our senses to find out, is there a fire? Are we under attack? Or did the electricity shorten? Or is the alarm out of whack? We just need to find out what's going on. Foolish to ignore them. Proverbs 12, 16 says, A fool's vexation, the vexation is the fretfulness, the grief, or the sorrow deep within him. It's brought forth or it's known, but a wise man, a prudent man, conceals He's subtle with his emotions. He is subtle with them. He covers them when needed to be covered. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city that is broken into without any walls is a man who has no control or no restraint over his quick emotions. Proverbs 1, 31 says, Surely 
I have composed and quieted my soul. That word soul is my desires, my appetites, my emotions. I've learned to quiet them like a weaned child leaning against his mother. Yes, like a weaned child. I have learned to quiet my emotions. Now, I give you that runway to just kind of get a a feel of where God's going. God is saying this, all of you people created in my image, you have emotions, you have a soul, and in the soul are your emotions. And I've given them to you for a reason. I've given them to you so that you might be pay attention that maybe something is awry, something's not exactly lined up the way it should be. It might be just warning you and telling you that you are believing a lie and that lie is affecting your emotions. Those lies are amazing because a lie will enhance the intensity of the emotions so much so that they're unbearable. And you will make comments, I cannot ignore this. I cannot act differently. And the problem with all the stuff that, that, uh, that I think that we have been given is there is two lies specifically that have been given to you and I in this world. And the lie is a lie of number one is the definition of a hypocrite. If I act different than how I feel, then I'm being hypocritical. I must act how I feel or I'm being hypocritical. That is Satan's definition of a lie and of a hypocrite. God's definition is acting different than what is true about you. Webster's Dictionary, if you don't want to listen to God's, says a hypocrite is pretending to be something different than what is true about you. Satan's is pretending to act different than how you feel makes you a hypocrite. That is a lie. Second lie is... I cannot act different than how I feel. I can't do it. People that are deeply, deeply depressed, and you say, I want you to get up, and I want you to go ahead and get out of bed, and I want you to walk. They say, I can't. I am just too heavy burdened. I can't do it. They're believing a lie. They're believing that they cannot act different than how they feel. You are going to see today... Everybody in here, according to the Scripture, Old Testament and New Covenant, God says, as you call upon my name, I will send forth my strength to give you power over your soul. You and I all have the ability to have the power over our soul. We have the ability to act different than how we feel. Uh... A long time ago, I told this story. A lot of you probably weren't even born, so I'll go ahead and tell it again. I had a, a season in my life when, when I left my first idol, which is to get all my value and my worth out of getting accepted from people from being good in sports. And after my shoulder injury, I, I said, oh, gosh, now I can get my life from God. But what I didn't do, did is I just went on and get my life out of having my wife accept me and love me. And so during a a foolish night, I prayed to God, God, tell me what you want me to do to let you do through me 
to show her I love her. And I heard something, but I brushed it off, that there's no way that would be from God. And so I said, God, no, I really want to know, seriously. This isn't joking. I want to know how I can love my wife. And the same answer came back and said, why don't you take her dancing? I said, Father, you know my dancing. I know she loved dance. She grew up, she just, just really got joy out of it. And so I began to pursue it. And I remember getting little, you know, or watching little dance things. And of course, you know, I had my, my image to protect. And so I said, God, okay, we're about to do this. Now, everything in my body and everything in my mind said, you can just send her flowers. You can do something else. You're not going to dance. And so I began to, we dance in the living room. And I'm sure she was very kind uh, by how she responded to me. She knew I was giving in an effort. And then it came the time to make this real. This time, we just got a new hotel downtown. It was a new Holiday Inn down by the Civic Center. And they had a little, uh, a little bar dance floor there. And they, they kind of were trying to make it. I, I can't remember what music year it was, but they had a little smoke coming out, and so you could go out and you could dance, and, and I, I thought of where I could take her, and that was the best because I could hide in the smoke. <laughs> and so I remember going there, and I don't know if I've even told you what we're going to do, but I think she had an idea. We were going to go dance, and uh, I said, okay, God, your word says that you have empowered me, that I am able to do this. Everything in my emotions are saying, don't. You're going to make a fool of yourself. You're going to embarrass your wife. You're going to embarrass all the people around. And so don't do it. And so I said, no, God has given me the power. Father, you, are, you live within me. You can empower me that you can dance through me. You go ahead and you go ahead and do this. So I looked till the entire floor was just filled with people because it was pretty good music going on. And I looked and said, good, we can squeeze and go right into the middle. So I said, honey, you want to dance? Are you sure? I said, yes, yeah. so you want to dance? So I grabbed her hand, two steps, and I have no idea what happened, but the floor began to empty. <laughs> it just, people evacuated. And I thought, the music should stop, you know, because maybe that's what it, nope, right in the middle of the song, I go all the way out there. Now, I want to tell you something. My emotions were saying to me what yours have said often. I can't act different than how I feel. And I was going to see and test the word of God and say, God, you have given me a will that is stronger than my authority and my emotions, and my will gets to have control over this, and I will choose to act this I walk out and I dance with her alone while everybody's sitting around and observing. <laughs> when I wrote my book, I had a guy, Todd Hillard, help me write it, and he added as he was helping me write the book, he said, the next day it was reported that they thought that somebody had a seizure down at the Holiday Inn. <laughs> that was the picture of my dancing. But I want to ask you some questions. Here's the comments that I get so often. And again, you're not alone in this. I don't feel 
like I can work out. I don't feel like I can make it to work. So therefore, I can't. I hear this one so often it saddens me. I don't feel like I love my spouse anymore. Therefore, the conclusion is, I am not in love with my spouse. And as a man and as a woman thinks, they will carry out that thought. I don't feel like I did when I first met him. I don't feel like I did when I met my first, my first love. So therefore, love is gone. I do not feel in love. So now the feeler becomes the authority, and we start looking elsewhere, and we start looking to leave. Because our feeler is saying, you're not in love. Or I feel so strongly towards this new person I met. I have never felt this in my heart ever before. This has to be true. It has to be God. So therefore, I feel I'm in love with somebody different. I can't not think about him. This must be love. No, this is feel. This is feel. I feel so hurt. There's no way I can forgive that. That pain is so big, I feel I can't let it go. Here's one that has swept across our country today, and you hear it every time you turn on the news, and it is, I feel attracted to my same sex. Therefore, I must be a lesbian, or I must be gay, because my feeler tells me that. And therefore, as a man thinks within himself, therefore they carry through. I can go on and on and on with this feeling, but you can see the danger of where this will lead you. Folks, I want you to stop and imagine if we give in to this feeler being our authority, your feeler being our authority, we have no restraint. We have nothing that gives us boundary lines that says, stop, this is the way to walk in it. Stop, this is the way to walk in it. We are free now to chase our feeler. And how scary is that for you and I to wake up every day, every morning, to go ahead at the mercy of your feelings? How do you know what today will bring forth? I don't. I, my feeler will tell me in the morning how my day is. And then I have to obey my feeler and follow it. It is scary where that will lead. And the Chaldeans back in the book of Habakkuk, this is what was going on as these people, uh, they were, they were, the Chaldeans were this... Uh, evil people. But what was happening is Habakkuk was given the assignment to God to go and talk to these people about God being good and they would have to live by faith and faith alone. It's what's the verse that started the Reformation. It's what happened when Luther read this and said, finally, it's by faith and faith alone that he said, I want you to tell them. And Habakkuk went and he began to tell these people. And it says, but yet they were a feared generation of people because they were letting the emotions within them dominate their life. It says they're feared and dreaded because their authority is coming from within. And therefore they follow whatever they feel. And it was becoming a scary people. And God said, they're a scary people. They're a scary people. And he goes on to say, but the Lord our God is holy, and he's in a holy temple. So let the earth shut their mouth and hush before him. It doesn't matter to me what it looks like. It doesn't matter to me what it feels like. It doesn't matter to me what you think it looks like. My God sits in the heaven. He does what he pleases, and he alone is God, and there's no one like him. 
So he said, the best solution for you is be quiet and believe me. So he tells Habakkuk, he says, here's what we're going to do. You're going to have to believe by faith if you're going to ask these people to believe by faith. And so he ends with this. He says in Habakkuk 3, he says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, the fields are producing no food, though the flock should be cut off from your fold, there's no cattle in the stalls bearing, and yet I will exalt the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He always will be. He has made my feet like hinds feet, and he makes me to walk in high places. I will choose to follow him, though everything looks like he's not who he said he is. And God turned it around. Also, the psalmist in Psalm 76 The Song of Asher from David says this, My voice is crying out to God. In the day of my trouble, it seems it's there day and night. My soul is refusing to be comforted. My emotions are refusing to be comforted. When I even think of God, I even become greatly disturbed. I sigh when I think of people saying how good he is, how good he is. He doesn't seem good to me. My spirit is growing faint. You have held my eyelids open. I'm so troubled, I can't even speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of old, long ago, and I remember when I used to sing and have laughter and meditate in your heart. My spirit is pondering, it's searching. Where has it gone? Is the Lord rejecting me forever? Will he never, ever be favorable to me again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever towards me? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious to me? In his anger has he withdrawn his love and his compassion. Then, then I said to myself, no. It is my grief, it is my sorrow, it is my pain that the Most High has appeared to change. So he gives the solution now. I will remember to choose to obey God. I will muse and think on the holiness of God's character. I will talk to others about his goodness and his kindness. I will choose to let my will have the right reign in my body, in my soul, line it up right and say, therefore, emotions, you may feel all this, but you are subservient to my will. I will choose to go and dance, regardless of how I feel. Does this make sense to you? There are times I will have people come in and say, well, I'm getting a divorce. I'll say, why? Well, I don't love him anymore. I said, well, then love him. No, 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 you didn't get it. I don't love him. Well, then love him. What to say is my emotions are so worn out and hurt that I don't feel anything anymore. Absolutely understandable the way he's been. You have a will that has been given to you by God, placed in you, the power of God within you, that you can do all things that God is requiring of you, and he will pour out his spirit within you, and you will hush a world that will look at you and say, where does this power come from? It comes from on high, it dwells within you, and so therefore, you have the power. Listen to these two quotes. This old saint, Hannah Whittle Smith, said, the will is the governing power in man's nature, and if the will is, 
uh, is God-directed, all the rest of man's nature must come into harmony. When I speak of the will, I do not mean the wish of a man or his purpose, but the deliberate choice, that deciding power to which all that is in man must yield obedience, even the emotions. Here's another one that says that if I do not choose to do this, if I keep following my emotions and I, I become the proverb guy in proverb where I'm quick-tempered, I release however I feel because that's just the way it is. It says, therefore, I will let emotions fasten their grip on me. They will start to control my life with an ungovernable control. Harry Schomburg says God's action is severe and that he gives us over not only to our desires but also to the condition of ungovernable emotions. We demand God step back. We choose to regulate our lives rather than honoring and obeying God. We lose the ability to regulate our emotions or our desires. When people seek to taste heaven by their own means, they create a living hell of uncontrollable desire. It is scary. I think sometimes we need to get a good picture that we see where this will lead. Where it will lead in your life. It might be something simple. When I was preparing this talk, I, I was kind of think, trying to think of your emotions, and a lot of you that I've talked to emotions, and then God decided, no, why don't we just let you feel yours? And so as I began to feel mine, what happens in the emotions in our home, it's kind of a tag team. My wife's emotions get so hooked to her children and her grandchildren that if they're not treated well, she goes down. And I'm over here thinking, don't let your emotions lead you while I go down because my emotions are tied to her emotions. She's up, I'm up. She's down, I'm down. I am doing nothing different than she's doing. She's doing nothing different than her grandchildren or her children are doing. They're governed by their emotions. It gets them in trouble. So then she basically does the same thing. Then I do the same thing. And then, then the whole bloody mess. It's a whole bloody mess. But it says, no. That is my grief. That is my emotions. They're going to be there. If I don't want to feel them, then I die. I might taste them. I might feel them. But I do not have to let my body act upon them. I might, that might make me mad. And so Tom does something that upsets me, and I might say, okay, that hurts. I can't believe he did that, but you know what? I can either retaliate an insult for an insult, or I can choose to say, no, I will return a blessing instead of doing that. I have the ability to act. I want you all to know something today as we close. Every single person here, your will is stronger than your emotions. I could prove this by one action. I pointed to one of you out here. And I pointed to you, and I wanted you to stand, walk out in the center, and do the twist. <laughs> now, I know some of you would just say, choose me, choose me. I don't. <laughs> so, some of this does not apply. This is not fully. Do you know what? Every single person here could will to do it. Nobody could not. You may feel embarrassed. You may feel your entire identity is shot. You might have to change churches in your mind. 
Not one person here, if you believe what God said is true, that I have now appointed to you strength within your soul to line up your soul the way it was designed, to make right your soul, he says in Psalm 38. To make right your soul, to put it in its right order. You may still feel stupid. You can act differently. Would you close in prayer with me? Father, we are left with sometimes a feeling of hopelessness that how can I ever do this? And yet you said, I will never request of you, require of you anything that I have not already poured out the strength that you need for it. It isn't by our own flesh that we can do this. It's impossible. But Father, I pray today in their own unique ways, everybody here would begin to realize that you have designed us the ability to restrain our emotions. To cover them and be subtle with them. To not let them harm people. You have made within every human being here that has come to you a spirit of love that has the ability to love apart from how they feel. I ask that you would turn this congregation around. That we would be men and women of your word, be in our authority, submitted to our will, and our will would choose that which is right. And we'd be a testimony not only to you, but it says to the hierarchy, to the angels in the kingdom of heaven would look on and see the power of God. I pray that you would do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.